Hey, y'all. This is Victoria from AI Breakout. Our AI stands for Authentic Individuals. And today we're going to continue talking about why we decided to be a life coach. I spoke on it some last week. Today I spoke on it some last week. So today it's uh, Debbie and Frazana. And I would like to call Debbie out on that one so she can start with us today. Go, Debbie. I'm being called out, guys. Aw, <laughs> uh, thanks for calling on me. Um, wow, you know, this journey of life coach was um, really a journey of a lifetime because uh, I studied psychology way back in my college days, and I always had a dream to become a doctor of psychology, a therapist, um, because I, I remember when I was younger, I, I witnessed a couple of violent things in my life. One was in a, a public place where someone was beating their child, and mm. another time was a girl in my high school who talked about some abuse that she was suffering at home, and I was just shocked and I couldn't believe that people had to endure such things because I came from a home that was very loving and stable, which I, I look back on and I feel so, so blessed that yeah. I had that. Um, so it was always inside of me that I wanted everyone to live a happy, peaceful, loving life. And so that never left me. Then I, like I said, I studied psychology and worked in the psych hospital world after college. And I never got to the end of my schooling to become a therapist. So I had a family, had babies, got the blessing of raising them at home. And um, fast forward, I ended up going through some difficult times in my life and struggled through an alcoholic marriage and subsequently um, a divorce after like 20 years of trying to make that life work. And when I realized I had to go back to work to support my kids, the first thing that came to mind was this kind of work again. But I needed to continue with my education to make any money, so I thought that I would go back to school and get my master's at that point because Master's is only a couple years. Didn't get that done, though, because I ended up having to take a job that made money sooner than that. So I have a question. So I think that it's so cool, Debbie, that you came from such a safe background. Because for me, it was awkward if people weren't going through mm. hard times at home. For me, it was totally opposite. So I think that that is so sweet and and that you had such a big heart that you wanted to change that for those two people mm -hmm. for that, those two instances like you saw somebody being abused publicly which is traumatizing even today mm -hmm. it's traumatizing for me to see somebody slap their kid in a restaurant or whatever it's just traumatic so i just think that you have such a genuine heart for giving and sharing and it showed even at such a young age like, how can I help? What can I do? Hmm. So what's, what's curious about that story is you would think that I would choose exactly the healthy, stable life that I had growing up. <laughs> you would yeah. think like, if I love my kids enough and I, I provide this wonderful place that they're of course going to have this smooth life. Hmm. 
but isn't life funny? Um, I think I was a really emotional, like you said, maybe I did have this capacity for deep love and feeling, but in my family of origin, there wasn't a whole lot of feelings to express ever. So I, I actually feel like when I came out of that family, I was a little bit naive and I had no coping skills or any conflict resolution skills. So when I saw or was experiencing my own chaos or conflict with anyone, I just, I just couldn't do it. I was like, I'm out. Like, I don't do conflict. You should change. Everybody should just be happy. And like, why are you like that? And so I didn't have a capacity to understand what other people were going through. My range of emotion was very limited mm. to pretty much happy and calm and peaceful. And why can't we all just be happy? And so it's, it's funny that I wanted to go out into the world and give that to people. Um, but we can't, we can't just give that to people. And we can't expect people mm. to just like, just smile. Everything is going to be okay because it, it's not okay for people. But I didn't know that. So interesting that I would walk into a situation where I, you know, got right. to really experience the crazy ups and downs of living in um, a rather chaotic home where we were all struggling to adjust to the feelings and the emotions and the, uh, the chaos sometimes of, of life um, in addiction and and the anger patterns that come with that and the shame patterns and the, you know, my, my kids grew up having to be very vigilant to, to take a temperature on the house and the emotions and what was going on. And, and the way they grew up was quite different than the way I grew up. And I even get to see that, that they came out with a bunch of skills mm -hmm. on how to deal with emotions. So interesting, Victoria, I think what I've seen now over the course of life is that in some way I see it as that experiencing the fullness of living is experiencing it all. That situation was the first time I felt like I needed help in life. Mm. I had no need of looking at my own self or, or changing in any way. And I, I, I got to immerse myself into Al-Anon and therapies and retreats for women. And I, I spent a good chunk of my life 15, 20 years getting healthy, whether my husband was ever going to seek that or not. Um, I ended up on that journey myself and I found it to be just like transformational and so beautiful to get in touch with who I was because I got lost along the way, as we've talked, you know, um, when we get immersed in the chaos of sometimes of someone else's story, we lose ourselves in it. Um, and especially because you're wanting to save, I wanted to save him from himself. I wanted to save our family. I wanted to protect my children. And so, you know, I came last, as so many people tell in mm. their stories. So finding, um, finding myself was the biggest gift and continues to be in every situation that has come since then. And it has given me just such a breadth and a depth to being available and connecting to people and really understanding and not judging that all have our things and we all have our, our, our growth. And, um, so those that 
opened up their arms and their hearts to me to let me have a safe place to tell my story and and they you know people loved me and I, the best therapist I ever had I realized she wasn't really telling me what to do she just listened while I figured mm-hmm. things out for myself and while I listened to what I was saying and then I wanted to be different than what I was saying out loud and and that that's what you know life coaching is all about and I think I just want a journey alongside of anyone that wants that same clarity in their life that I was looking for beauty and depth to come out of themselves if they've lost it for a time if they've never felt it or if um they just want to rise to new levels or or try something new in their life or rediscover themselves or or have a total rebirth I I also know that if I can provide that listening ear and the holding on their hand and that that people did for me I would be so blessed so blessed Debbie I just wanted to ask you that I'm I'm listening and I'm thinking I mean I resonate so much about the losing yourself piece of it but the experiences that you had as a child which was so loving and positive um do you feel that that helped you go through this whole experience and not be jaded mm. Because you could have absolutely gone the other way and fallen into despair and and become bitter and chosen a different path. How much do you think that influenced the way you handled your situation and your attitude and mindset towards your experiences? That's a great question. What first came to mind was that deep inside of me was a stability and a knowing that what it's like to live in in a space of comfort and peace and happiness. So no matter how much my husband was, and he wanted to kind of bring us all down with him or have us validate that things were horrible or that he was horrible. And deep inside of me, I just never allowed his view of life to change what I knew. So I do think that that was the gift from my family of origin was, um, no, he's wrong about me. He's wrong about this. And I know it because I don't, I don't relate. Everybody gets to have their perspective on their own life. And just sometimes it's hard when you're living under the same roof with people that have a vastly different perspective or desire for their living as you do. And so I guess that's the struggle sometimes is, do we have to live under the same roof? And and when we do, um, how do we get along? The beautiful thing about life is it gives us what the tools we need when we need them. Mm -hmm. So we don't walk around with all the tools at one time, you know, like you didn't have the coping skills for chaos and someone with chaos doesn't have the coping skills to live a peaceful life. And the cool thing about the four of us is we're all from four different parts of the world. We've all had four different life experiences. And so we complete each other kind of in, in a cool way without sounding too uh, Jerry McGuire-ish. Well, I actually just had another quick question for Debbie because you talked about the back and forth and almost like fighting with your husband. What was it that made you shift? 
where you decided I'm not going to do this anymore? Great question. Um, that's such a, that was such a long time ago. I've healed so much. <laughs> it almost is like pulling something out of a scrapbook that I don't connect to much anymore. But I do know that I was immersed. Uh, I began to be immersed in healing for myself. Like I said, I, I, I was at my knee. I, I, I was on my knees begging God to like relieve the family, relieve him of his addictions. And like, I had no, like, when you bang your head against the wall. So for the last time you're like, okay, I need help. You know, I was very hard headed and I thought I could fix the problem. I thought I could, my love would change everything. And when I finally found out that it wasn't getting me anywhere, I, I reached out and I began to get help. Um, and so I think it was in the slow healing of me. It took a while for, for me to catch that it was me that was going to heal. <laughs> I was like, I'm good. It's everybody else out there, right? I'm, I'm doing well. If everyone just lived my way, they would be all so happy. Like <laughs> that was my naivety and my ignorance, right? But I believed it so much that I had to be cracked open too. And so people were so patient with me always pointing the finger at my husband because he made it really easy, you know. Um, his behaviors were so crazy, or but that only kept me in the delusion longer, honestly, that I didn't need help, that I didn't need to look at my side of what it is. And that's what Al-Anon is all about when you go into these programs. You find out that you're not going to be changing anyone else. It, you can only change yourself. And uh, that was the first time I heard that message. And um, when they said, you can be happy whether or not he stops drinking, I was like, no, that's not the case. But it was the case because it, my happiness is all mine. And, you know, no one can take that from me. And, and when I give it away, it's me willingly giving my happiness away. I just, I, I never saw that. I never saw that, right? That, that's a big, huge life lesson, though then I, there was a lot of hope there because I'll work damn hard. I work till I get everything I want. That's how I am stubborn. So uh, then the, then the journey began. But Devia, you're just so brave. Like, even though in such a difficult situation, you try to get the best out of your ex-husband and try to keep the safe space for your children. I just wanted to ask in such situation, where did you get the strength? Thanks to Dow for that question. Um, that that same security I had for 25 years in that home before I set out into the world and got married um, was 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 a deep strength. But also, um, I grew up with my parents had are, were both very devout Catholics, and uh, not just that, but very deeply spiritual and very loving people. So it was a real connection to God that I could witness in their words and actions also. So I came out of a place where everyone's words matched their actions. And I also saw that as tied to my spirituality, to God, that like all goodness is when people speak goodness and they say and make promises and they um, say they love you and they say they'll do what they're going to, you know, that they will follow and listen and act on that or follow through on their mm -hmm. promises. 
but the disease of alcoholism is one of deceit and lies, you know, on a, in a deep level. And so, um, that inner strength came, came from, um, came from my, I think, deep understanding of, of the divine as well. And my children grew up knowing that God was bigger than all of these problems that were going on in our home. And I would talk to them and we would pray for their dad and they grew up in a spiritual home and we would go to church every Sunday and they grew up in Christian schools, Catholic schools. And so it was deeply embedded in us as a family that we just don't get rid of somebody. There was never going to be a divorce. Those words never were uttered that I still never thought that was happening um, all the whole time. It was more about how do we help and get dad better and how do we um, pray for that to happen? Um, Because the kids saw that he was, you know, struggling and and not able to win that battle. So I I had to talk to the kids a lot by myself as I was healing. I would pass on the messages that I was learning to them. And so I think that that speaks volumes. My kids would, if they could show up today to to be a witness to um, those days, they would say that um, that there's power in being loved and supported in the truth. Like I, I, I I just spoke truth to them Mm. when they would Mm. see something crazy. I heard in Al-Anon meetings that part of the problem is when you're growing up in homes where there's mental illness or addiction, everyone's trying to cover up for it. Everyone's trying to say, no, that's not happening. And oh, no, your dad didn't do that, and oh, he didn't say that, and oh, like this embarrassing, crazy thing is happening over here, but we're supposed to just pretend like everything's okay. They got that truth from me in private, that they were seeing what they were seeing, that their dad was needing help, and that we needed to up our prayers to God to bless our family, and that we were going to get to the other side of it was the hope. So we just mm-hmm. we just spoke a lot of love in the home, and I'm not saying it wasn't without moments, um, but somehow I had I that deep within me. That, that you definitely did the right thing, telling them speaking truth, not mm-hmm. only about God but about the situation at hand, because I have personally had to go back and apologize to my children, thirty years later, that I lied to y'all everything wasn't okay. Everything wasn't good. And I would tell them, Oh, it's Mm. all right. It's good. And so they didn't know who to believe because they couldn't believe their own eyes because their mother that gave birth to them was lying to them and telling them it was okay. And they knew in their little hearts, it was not okay. So that I, I wish that I had would have taken it on myself to get the kind of support that you did because you knew how to handle those heavy situations and those traumatic situations. And therefore your kids grew up knowing that if they saw something, they could believe it because you backed it up and you, and you prayed, you know? So I think it's beautiful. What you said is that you grew up in a home where people's voices matched their actions. Yeah. That's so special. So rare. This, especially now that is super rare. And I just think that you have a gift that you were so blessed with having. And and for Zana, I don't know your background or to now yours, but just to have such a strong background, because I think that made me as a person not trust myself 
growing up because nobody's actions ever matched their verbiage. I've never got married, so I I cannot see the prospect as a parent. But when I was 20 years old, my parents divorced. And when they got divorced, I didn't know what was going on. They didn't tell me anything. And I'm the youngest and only a boy. So like they still treat me like a little boy. So they never told me anything about divorce and they were hiding when they're fighting. And my older sisters, they, you know, tried to protect me. So it came from a good place. But in the end, because I didn't know anything, I was keep doubting myself. Maybe I was the reason why they got divorced. So I think that's so special that you grew up in an environment where people value the truth. I wanted to know the truth. Um, I had a very solid, you know, I remember my husband saying to me, actually, that your parents do such a good job. And so I'm very, very grateful to my parents for the way they raised me with very good core values. Um, But I had a very strict um, upbringing just because of the religion and the culture. More the culture, I was going to, I would say. But I do remember feeling safe, I think, definitely safe, that stability and that security. I definitely had that. But I will say for all of us, and I, I don't know if you all agree, there are certain things that are said to you, not necessarily by your immediate family, but there are certain things that have said to me, and maybe we'll share later on. The voices in your head stay from your childhood. Mm-hmm. For yeah. some reason, they stay with you for very long. And it's only recently that I've been able to tackle and fight those demons of the, the things that were said to me that I carried with me for the for the rest of my life, you know, for the majority of my life. And so I want to say, Debbie, you know, you're so blessed that you had such wonderful family dynamic and that loving um, um, situation because you can tell it. I've always said this about you, that you come with love. You come from a place of love. And I do believe that has a lot to do with your childhood and, right. and the way you were raised. And that's allowed you to go through a situation and come out of it not completely jaded. I, I know that um, the struggle coming out of a family like that is that I needed to be perfect because everything was always so perfect. So when I wasn't doing well or when I was falling apart in that story that I told, I felt like I had to hide that because I didn't know if I would, you know, what everyone's opinion of me would be if I wasn't perfect. But the one thing I had to learn was that it was okay. I had to accept who I was and what I was going through and that it had nothing to do with perfect or imperfect. It was the circumstances that I needed to, to work through and come to understand and love myself through it. But that's been my struggle is self-love and perfectionism and thinking I have to do everything perfectly and not just be me. So this 20 years plus of going on a journey to find myself has made me into a soft, loving, kind person to myself. I was the harsh one on myself. 
But that that comes from, I think, our expectations and pressure that we put on ourselves because we it's our perception of what we're supposed to do and how we think that other people are going to view us if we don't have mm. everything together. And we just put that pressure on us unnecessarily and then we we struggle to ask for help. And that's one of the things that I learned during my caregiving that I that I should have asked for help earlier, that I shouldn't mm. have tried to do everything myself, that it wasn't all on my shoulders, that I didn't have to present a picture perfect version of what was going on when you know inside I was really crumbling. So mm. so I totally get that, Debbie, for sure. But Debbie, what's the big difference between you back then in your marriage versus where you are today? I love that question because I am hugely different today. And the the biggest difference is that I am living in an authentic life. Mm -hmm. And I, because I came to love myself and to know myself, I was able to learn to set healthy boundaries, to create healthy relationships, to realize I can't save people, I can just love people, and all the things that I had to come to know so that I could be raised into my own health. So then what I've seen since then, I I remarried five years ago, And I have like such an incredibly healthy relationship that um, I'm so blessed by because I was a whole, complete and healthy individual before I ever married. And so that relationship uh, um, just operates at such a different level. It's like I didn't need anything from it, the relationship or the my husband I just got to have him in my life and he got to walk alongside of me and he didn't need to complete me in any way that that fairy tale of like he completes me it's it's sweet but I actually took it literally like this person has to fulfill everything I want them to fulfill in my life and in my story and they better show up and follow my script (laughs) and and I, I'm just, um, thank God I'm such a different person today. I'm such a better mom because of that experience too. Um, I learned to live in honesty and um, integrity and authenticity. So those things matter. It's everything. So today I know how to love. I have a comparison. I was with my grandkids in Mississippi last week. And one of their uncles is fighting the war and they have this cardboard picture of him life size that sits at the Christmas table, sits by the Christmas tree, whatever. And they call it flat daddy because it's a flat cardboard, (laughs) right? I think I was a flat mama, my children's impressionable years, because I was at the table, but I was not real. I was not authentic. Mm. I was not giving them the truth about life. I was just the flat mama in the cardboard thing, letting all my emotions be stuck within the woven material of that and the stress and the pressure and not wanting 
the truth to get out, I was so horrified if anybody knew they would judge or they would hate me or I wouldn't be accepted or whatever the fears that, that for Zana, as you said, the big voices in our head and my counselor called it big voices because she said any, any person of authority, like an aunt, an uncle, a neighbor, anybody older than us that speaks a bad vibe or bad message into us, it sticks because they're an, of authority to us. They're an authoritative figure to, to us. So we believe them because why would they lie to a child, right? And it's the big voices that we spend our entire life trying to forget and erase, which leads into our limited belief system. So I just think it's an awesome story to hear that someone actually had the guts and the tenacity and the gumption to tell the truth. This is not good. We're going to pray about it. That's where we go. That's who we believe in. And, you know, that's what we're going to do. So that story is so inspiring to me. And it makes me want to be even more authentic in my life. Victoria, you often talk about your children and you express that you regret some history with them. But me as a child, sometimes you've been there. That could be everything. Even though you are not being authentic, maybe yeah. you were not being yourself back then, but still you were there. You were their whole time with your children. Right. And I know it's very meaningful that for them. I'm sure that when your parents didn't tell you they were divorcing and you felt like the odd man out on the team, like everybody knows what's going on, but me, I can see why you would think I could be part of the problem. They're not wanting to talk to me about it. Maybe it's my issue, but I can assure you it was, out of love and protection. And that's so hard to see, hmm. especially when you're feeling it and you're living it. It's very hard to see how could that be protecting me, not telling the truth. And if there's anything I tell, could tell to our audience or anybody is, is just get as real with your children as you possibly can and just be authentic with everybody. My whole life I've lived in that little capsule of what people could know and what people couldn't know about me because I didn't want to be judged. I was so horrified of that because I felt like I was so judged in my neighborhood my entire life because of what my parents were doing. And so I came up with that shadow. It was, everything was in the shadow because I was scared to let anybody see the real me about anything. Cause I thought everything I did was naturally wrong. And so it's paralyzing. It, it makes you doubt your existence, it makes you doubt, why am I even here if I can't be true and real? You know, if I can't right. let, if I can't let the crazy out every now and then, you know, who, you know, who am I? So I do think that your parents came from a place of, of protection. And, and I guess I say that from the parent that didn't always tell the truth, that didn't mm. always come and say, y'all, you know what, things are bad. We're going to get through it, but they're bad right now. Maybe you could write them a letter, not even to get, deliver it, but just write it to get it out of you. Just right. write them a letter and say, hey, you remember when? Well, that really hurt me because I thought it was all me. Now I realize as an adult it wasn't, and I'm using my kindness and meekness and all of the things that I thought were against me to really help people in this world and to help people realize mm. that 
it's okay to be good. It's okay to be kind and gentle. You don't have to be burping and drinking beer to be a, a man. I mean, you just don't. Mm. So, um, I think I, one of the things I admire about you so much is your kindness and your gentle and the patience you have with us, especially getting these podcasts going and we're like all over the place and one pops up and we lose the other one. It's just hilarious. And it's just, and one day we'll be able to, we laugh at it now. Thank goodness we can. And we all just have that, that genuine love for each other that that we can laugh together. And I think that makes life go so much smoother when you can laugh through the hard and the, and the good, you know, learn to just really have some great belly laughs with y'all. And there was a time I didn't even know if I could laugh again, you know, so. You're laughing so hard these days. (laughs) I know, know, but your laugh is so contagious because when you (laughs) laugh laugh with everything you have and so that it cracks me up and I can't, I can't. I just want to tag on to that saying from the depth of the heart of a mother. And I know if I spoke for my husband, who's no longer my ex-husband, who's no longer on the earth, knowing the depth of his heart when alcoholism wasn't in the way, there is nothing that our children ever did or could ever have done that had anything to do with our marriage Mm -hmm. succeeding or failing nothing and our deep love for our children. We would never want you to ever take that burden on. So I I'm sorry that you've carried that and that there, that message never reached your little heart as a child, but I hope it does reach your ears today and anyone that's listening that the love of parents and and their issues Mm. have nothing, nothing ever to do with a child. Absolutely. None of our behavior, my, what I choose to do has nothing to do with anyone else. Not one other person, not even a spouse. Right. When we're making decisions, it's still me choosing what part I want to play in it. So but I do know that the, that so many kids carry that heavy burden and weight wondering, wondering their whole life if it was them. And I just wish I could erase that because the second, if you're ever a parent, you'll know in that moment, it was never you, but I, ho- yeah. I hope you don't have to wait that long. We're going to, we're going to come along and mother you up. <laughs> I wish they, I knew the message a long time ago, but like it's nearly two decades ago for me. Yeah. So like, yeah. this is, already healed actually the victoria said i should write a letter i did later write a letter to my father yeah a few years ago when i was doing counseling and it was it was healing Mm -hmm. yeah well now i could forgive myself so it's my father so i don't carry the pain anymore yeah i used to spend so much time thinking about what did i do wrong but what Debbie just shared, that's a huge mm-hmm. message. I'm, I'm sure, like, I never became a parent. So I don't know how yeah. mother or father, they love their children. So, like, hearing that from Debbie, it was huge. And I'm sure there's a lot of children, like, who is doubting their self. 
what did I do wrong? Like how I could be a better son or a better daughter. I'm sure there's many people asking the question, but just yeah. Debbie said, we don't have to worry about it. It was not us. That's huge. And I think in the, inside the mind of a child, even though I, at some point I was actively getting healed and speaking the, the lessons I was learning in Al-Anon and telling them to the kids, and they knew it was their dad's disease that he was having that was causing so much of what was going on. Still, I think as children, they wondered parts of it, you know, but did I make dad mad to, to drink? You know, children's minds just, yeah. I mean, as much as we try to protect and tell tell them how much they're loved, you know, still there's healing always. And, and as much as I was going through so much chaos trying to hold the family together in for many, many, many years, I sometimes could forget that like those little souls were also crushed and needed a lot of tending, but sometimes I didn't have enough extra to do that always. But when I did and I could, eventually I, I was able to but my getting healthy actually was the biggest thing I could do for them. And, yes. and then second to that, like when they say put the oxygen mask on you first in the airplane and then help them, it, it really is true. But it, at the time, it feels like there's some suffering that they have to go through then. And it rips your heart out. When someone's struggling in any family, the whole family is affected. So we just have to um, be sensitive to that in our own families and pursue healing you know love from the mother is so precious and as a child i don't want to do anything to hurt my mother right mm. so i think when they divorced like i couldn't stand if i did something wrong and if it broke their marriage because they are my parents and they gave me so much and i didn't want to do anything to her then but it's a different story when you're a teenager, <laughs> where we are going through like really rough time. I was quite a spoiled kid, so. Ooh, it looks like you've got stories to tell today about your teenagers. <laughs> That's a different story, yeah. A whole other podcast, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to AI Breakout today. It's been wonderful to share from the heart. Um, our most authentic selves. Thank you for listening to my story. And thanks so much Yay. and have a great day. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. Love y'all. In that role also. Doing this again. Before I, well, you know, uh, are we talking over each other again? <laughs> yes. Go to Dow. You're laughing. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> Are you guys just going to just Where laugh? Where was I? I love that you're <laughs> your whole body right now.